We're on the last one, principle seven. So if you've hated this series, it is almost over. And if you've loved it, there are many more books about this topic. Please keep, keep going away and, uh, and learning about it. Uh, we think it's been a great series. I've heard some great stories about how God has just used this material to, uh, to shape new life in people. If you've not been with us here, we've been doing something slightly different as a church. We've been going through a book called The Emotionally Healthy Church, which looks at an often forgotten uh, aspect of discipleship, which is that, um, yes, we're physical. Yes, we are spiritual. Yes, we're relational people, but we're also emotional beings, and God wants to shape our emotions as well. And this book comes up with seven really useful biblical principles of how we can allow and enable God to grow this aspect of our lives as well as all the other aspects of our lives. And we're literally at the end of this journey today. But don't worry, if, uh, if you've missed it, this one stands alone. And I think it might actually be the one that, as I have looked at it again, I have been challenged the most into just what a foundational part of our faith it is to get this one right, to be living in the way that um, Peter Scazzaro um, and we're going to meet him today. I don't think we've had any, um, not personally, but via video link uh, at some point. Not even by video link, that's also a lie. It's not a good way to start a preacher, is it, by telling fibs. Um, but the, uh, we're going we're gonna to have a video of him today. I thought, you know, we've been talking about his stuff. Let's see his face as well, see if he looks shifty or not as we go ahead. So, so look out for that in it. But if we can just go for the first video, that would be great, just to kick start this morning. Anyway, that shows what happens <laughs> when a building lacks structural integrity. Do you know, it initially does look great on the surface at times. Um, you know, an amazing new tower. But in that instance, that's just a facade, a mask inside. Because of the way it is actually weakly built, the poor foundations it stands on under the surface, because of this, cracks start to appear and eventually, like in this video, it collapses dramatically. Do you know, it's so much more important that a building is built with integrity on the inside than how it looks on the outside. It's that that makes it safe, functional, secure, and it's that that makes it last a lifetime. And you know, the same is true of our Christian lives. If we lack integrity. If we just live the facade of being a great Christian on a Sunday, but do not under the surface, in the hidden place, where no one sees, have a strong structure and foundation in our lives, cracks will appear, and at some point, your faith in your life will crumble. Do you know the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, said this, if you, you lose your strength, Christian, the moment you depart from your integrity. You lose your strength. You know, Jesus tells us an amazing parable in Matthew seven twenty four to 28 to drive into our hearts this very principle. You know, we often relegate it to a children's teaching rather than what it was intended to be. A simple picture that should have a fundamentally profound impact on how we build our lives. In this parable, 
he tells us about two men who build a home to live in. One who built his life and house upon a rock with a solid, firm foundation hidden away underneath. And the other who built his house and life on the sand, a foundation of no integrity or strength. Both houses were completed in this story. They both, I imagine, took hard work and presumably looked like they were doing the same job. We're told that when the rain, the floods and the winds beat against the houses, there were two very different outcomes, weren't there? The house on the rock stood firm through the years. And I guess all who lived in that house lived in peace and security. But the house on the sand collapsed like the video at the beginning. In fact, Matthew 7, 27 says that the house on the sand fell and great was the fall of it. It came crashing down because of the way it had been built. All because the hidden part of the building, the foundational bits, had not been constructed wisely and well. You know, this short story comes just at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' most complete and foundational teaching of how God desires us to build and live our lives as his followers. And Jesus is not talking about actual buildings here, but it's good advice if you are going to build your own home as well. He's talking about the difference between those who build into their lives what he has just taught them on the mount in the chapters before, and those that hear his words, but then choose not to build their lives on those foundations. Matthew 7.24 says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine the Sermon on the Mount, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Do you know, and if you break the sermon down just to its component parts, you see two main themes that he's getting at in his sermon. The first one, which you see in chapter 5 of Matthew, is that he's telling us to live with an incredible moral righteousness towards others. Always being honest, always being faithful, always responding in love to enemies, to friends. Building this into all our actions and reactions in life. Secondly, he talks about building a deep dependent relationship with the God in heaven in the Sermon on Mount, building him into every fiber of your day through prayer, praise, asking him for the things you need, laying your burdens and anxieties before him and responding to him in obedience. And it's these two things in particular here that Jesus is saying. Build a true integrity into your lives. When you live this way towards others and in true, do, tr- in true daily relationship with God, there'll be a mighty security and strength in your life that God will build in. That's what Christian integrity is. The flip side is, 
if you don't really build in the word and relationship with God, if it's the afterthought rather than the foremost thing in our lives, a weekly church top-up rather than a structural part of our daily patterns and the way that we live, you're building a life without structural integrity, strength or wisdom under the surface. And when the challenges, demands and realities of life hit you, you will not have the resilience that he longs to put into your life, but will flake and crumble. You're more like the building at the beginning. So here's the question. And it's a deep, challenging question, actually, if you answer it honestly. Behind the scenes, when nobody is looking, are you like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock? Is the word soaked into you in these times to the point that its righteousness drips out of you? And in each moment of the day, are you drawing close to God to live in the reality of his knowledge and presence near you? Or are you in danger of collapsing? Because in reality, you hide little of his word in, his, in your heart and you don't interact with God in your daily life. Honestly, are you building something rock solid or are you building sandcastle lives? Challenging question. Do you know, I bet you, if you've been around church, this parable of the wise and foolish men was known to you from childhood, wasn't it? I've heard it said a thousand times in my church life that we need to build with a true integrity in the word and in our daily relationships, with building a daily relationship with our Father from heaven. It's not the hearing part of Matthew 7.24 that we often struggle with. We have all heard and know these words. It's the doing, the genuine building of integrity in our lives that we struggle with. Do you know, I think... Here's one reason why. Nationwide did this survey survey of how families spend their time in 2017. And it probably gives us an idea of why this is the case. Look at this. The average family day, it says on their survey, 6.50 a.m., get out of bed. 7.35 a.m., first cup of tea. 8.10 a.m., leave for work. 5.01 p.m., homework. 5.03 p.m., cook dinner. 5.56 p.m., first alcoholic drink of the day. They wait till that late? 7.45 p.m., put kids to bed. 8.11 p.m., relax for the evening. And at 9.58 p.m., go to bed. That's your average day. Average full, isn't it? Where is there time to build our house on the rock? Let alone build in some of this emotionally healthy stuff that we've been teaching. Now, chuck in church onto this daily routine, being part of a church in Christian daily life. Time building, relationship, community, serving, praying for stuff together. So many people depending on you for so many different things. So many people who might think of you badly in work, home life, church, if you don't live up to their expectations. 
The modern reality is often we're just too busy for a relationship with God. There are too many other pressing, more important matters in our lives than doing the hard work of building a house with integrity and solid foundations. In our heart of hearts, it's just not the priority for how we spend our time on this earth. You know, Peter Scazzaro's observation was similar. Sometimes after introducing the principles of emotional health into his church, Scazzaro noticed that in his congregation, there was something preventing them really going to God and using the principles he was laying out before them. He says this, despite our journey into emotional health, people's lives remained overloaded with activity and stress. Many people continue to live off other people's spirituality and remain scattered, fragmented and uncentered, even though my central desire was for people to live with a passion for Jesus and in communion with him, out of which they could really love others well and praise. This just wasn't the pattern of their lives. People were just too busy in his church to build true lives of Christian integrity. The foundations of the word and relationship into their lives. In his church, their Sunday lips spoke of the importance of God, but their daily daily actions, in reality, was far down the priority list. Church, the problem is that according to word in Matthew 24, and the pictures of the wise and foolish builders, that if we go on with this lifestyle, without time for integrity, we risk paying an astonishing price, that our lives will remain sandcastles in God. And we will simply never know the foundational security and strength that comes from living in daily relationship with him and by his moral word. Uh, There are some telltale signs that Peter Scazzaro brings out of when we fall into living our Christian life in just busyness and going with the flow and spinning plates. Dependent on others. He says there's things like probably your passion for God has dried up and your desire to serve in his mission from a right heart because you're not living in the daily goodness of him and his word. You're not knowing the newness of him daily. You may have lost your joy in the Lord and a passion for worshipping and serving him. Probably below the surface you will always feel like you are running on fumes. So close to the edge of the Christian tank your energies could just pack in at any minute. And probably the way you interact and feel about others in reality is not in line with how God desires his followers to be. You're a bit less patient, loving, you know, justifying, holding on to bitterness against other people, less resilient to challenges. In fact, the probability is it's affecting every aspect of your life. Peter Cassara says when you're living like this, the joy of life with Christ slowly, almost imperceptibly can disappear. Because of this issue with integrity and the disastrous effect it can have on faith that Scazzaro introduces his final point, which essentially encompasses and enables all the others. And it's this. Principle seven. Just slow down to live with integrity. Just slow down to live with integrity. To build integrity into your life. Find places to slow. Scazzaro has only found one answer to this problem of hearing and not doing. 
that we must, we must, we must deliberately break away from the normal trends of life and build space into the structure of our lives in order to genuinely have relationship with God and know his word in situations. Church, there is no way to get around this. I'd love to sometimes because it does feel like hard work to build something. But just as I cannot build a quality relationship with my wife or my children without carving out some time to spend with them and getting to know them, I cannot be a house of firm integrity, truly knowing God and his fruit and direction if I do not do the same with him. And very simply, Jesus is our clearest example of this. He models this exact thing. In the Gospels, there are verse after verse after verse about him just going to be alone and spend time and simply be with God to speak to him. Let me just read a couple. And early in the morning, while it was still dark, he arose, went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. Mark 1.35. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida, where he himself was sending the multitude away while he himself was sending the multitude away. And after bidding them farewell, he departed to a mountain to pray. Mark 6, 54, 45 to 46. And they came to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here to keep watch. And he went a little beyond them. And fell to the ground and began praying. Mark fourteen thirty-two to 34. And when day came, he departed to a lonely place. And the multitudes were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Luke four forty-two. But he himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke five sixteen. And it was at that time he went off to the mountain to pray. And he sat the whole night in prayer to God. Luke six twelve. Do you know what this shows was that it was the priority in Jesus' life to make frequent time to step away and be with God. This is the life he modeled for us as followers of Jesus. Do you know, in Mark 1, 35 and Luke 6, we see that this was more important to him than a little extra sleep. In Mark 6 to 14, over time, it was more important to him over time being with his friends, even when his spirit was troubled. In Luke 4, over and beyond the pressures of ministry or work for him, where people tried to keep him from being with his God, he went, no way, mate, I'm off. In Luke 5, we see that it was such a priority that he made it a regular pattern of his life. Something he would often do. Jesus built the integrity of a true daily relationship with God into the pattern of his life to the point where he utterly knew his father's will for him. But how in modernity, as we've looked at it, with all our pressures, do we live this principle out in our daily lives? If it's true. No, Scazzaro, and this is almost the big moment, gives us some helpful, practical tips, which I want to get into in a minute. But I don't think the key actually lies in a pattern. I think it lies in a choice, in a decision. God has given us wills and choices and the knowledge of how to build things into our life. But we have a choice about what we put there as the priority. 
whether the relationship with God truly is more important than anything else. To build space and time to put God first in your life is an act of will and choice. It's not one that your spouse can make for you, a good friend can make for you, a disciple or a church leader can make for you. There is no fake in it. You have to genuinely choose to say, yes, Lord. And then action that yes. Building always contains an element of hard work. And in my experience, always has snags along the way for which there is abundance grace. But if you don't get building, you never lay the foundations. You never get the building. So what does Cazaro propose about how we do this practically in a modern context? Are you right to click us up? See if we can meet the man himself. There he is. Before he sells his books to you <laughs> on it in the pitch. So he, he introduces the idea of a daily office, which is an ancient tool. And it's slightly different, isn't it, from your traditional quiet time. Do you know? And um, he says, look, it's just about looking. Where are the gaps in your day? Where are the spaces in your day? Where can you pry a little bit more time? Where does it work for you just to come and meet and be with God, just to dive into the Word, just to do this? Where are the natural gaps in your day? Five minutes here, a break between meetings there, and using time to feed on Scripture. Do you know, I love some stuff about this idea because to have a more traditional daily quiet time in my house is hard because it's never quiet in the morning. Just, it's bedlam. And no matter how early I get up, they always hear me and follow me downstairs. (laughs) And actually, when I have a quiet time in the morning, often come 12 p.m., PM, I'm simply lost once more in the busyness of the day in life. And I think the suggestion of doing a daily office, of building it in more frequently, but small snippets actually addresses some of that. But actually, personally, I don't really care how you build time into your pattern to be with God. I think this is a great starting place if you've not done it before. And in fact, I see loads of variation in Jesus over how he did this. Sometimes it was on a morning, sometimes it was a whole night, one time for 40 days and nights in a desert. He daily sneaks off to different places. You know, if a standard daily quiet time in the morning is filling your day with relationship and the word of
just encourage in the depths of your heart with true conviction you're finding ways to put into practice what he says because I as a leader I want us the church right the way through the church to be living with a strength of integrity that God is asking us to And what Scazzaro, just as I start to close, does in his chapter is offer two really helpful insights into this practice of building times with God into your life as well. First and foremost, they say something really that it should not be about coming to get something from God, but coming to be with someone. Not be about coming to get something, but coming to be with someone. I think that's such an important point. You know, so often when we set time aside for God, we're like children who have bobbed in to see their dad for money. Yeah, we show love and affection, but often so he gives us what we want so we can crack on. Essentially, we are coming to him, but with a primary motive so we can get what he has to go away and do something else. There's no real relationship building in this approach. Now, it's okay to do that with God because he's asked us to come. But on the other hand, there's a challenge just to come to your father just to be with him first and foremost. To listen, to interact, to hear what's on his heart and to share what is on yours. That's what coming to be with somebody is about. There is a relationship here. It's subtle but fundamentally different. And if you come like this, you will always get what you came for and more. You'll get to be with your Father in heaven, the greatest gift to us. That's his first point. It's not about coming to get something. It's about coming to be with somebody when we do this. It's just come and make time to be with him. And the second point he makes is that actually without making time to be with him, we really can't do any of this emotionally healthy stuff in ourselves, our marriages or our family lives and our work on service. We can't have him search our inner spaces, he's asked. We can't see whether we are living in line with his word, or negative family patterns, past hurts. We can't let him guide us into our limits. We can't live in vulnerability yet security. We can't let him transform our losses into goods. All of these things, to be done effectively, need time, him, and his word in them. This final thing really encompasses everything else. Slowing down, making space, and building integrity into our lives really is the foundation stone to everything else. So Scazzaro wraps up his principles of emotional health with this. You must learn to slow down and live with integrity. Church, that's it. That brings us to the end of the series on principles of building an emotionally healthy church. What an exciting way to end. Do you know, there's honestly so much good in these principles if you take time to apply them. But I want to say that this one, this one, as I was studying, it just feels like a make or break, make or break to me in so many ways. Either we keep going on in the busyness of modern life and church or we learn to truly slow down and make space and live in a, where we genuinely prioritize time and relationship with God, allowing him to daily work a deep work in us and guide our every step securely in the world. Do you hear it?
Do you hear the importance of it? Listen, I believe that because of his grace, God will always seek to bless us, even when we muck up. But if we want to build the solidness and the resilience that he wants us to in our life and a joy of relationship with him and be a people who look better on, under the surface than we do on the outside, I believe we need to hear this final principle. It truly is a game changer. Full stop. Emotionally healthy church.